0: It is awesome to see you this morning here at the Canton campus of Mount Perrin North. For those that I've not had the opportunity of meeting, my name is Mark Walker. I'm the senior pastor of Mount Perrin North, Marietta, and Canton campuses. It's always a great joy for me to come and be with you. I love hanging out with you guys. I don't get to come here very much anymore. Jeremy won't let me come. This is the only time he lets me come, so here I am. But uh, it's, it's always a great privilege. I love hanging out with you guys. I tell you, I... What I especially love about this place is that you guys are very authentic, genuine, real in your engagement with God. That I believe you really come in here with open hearts to really experience his presence in whatever form he wants to come and be with us. And I I, uh, just thank God for that. I attribute a lot of that to Pastor Jeremy, the Canton campus here and all of the leadership. Are you thankful for him and all the leadership that that leads this campus? We are really blessed. So I just enjoy being with you uh, and uh, just thankful to God for you. Uh, As Pastor Jeremy mentioned earlier, that we began a series last week called Daily Grind. He and Corey talked about marriage this morning. I want to talk to you a little bit about parenting. So if you happen to have a Bible, I encourage you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians is in the New Testament. Ephesians is between Philippians and Galatians. And we'll be looking at chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. We encourage you, bring a Bible as often as you can when you come and join us here. You can have that on any kind of an electronic device, or if you're old school, bring it in genuine leather, or even in paperback, whatever. Usually the scriptures we go through are on the screens. But we encourage you to bring a Bible, just so you can read along, make notes, underline, so throughout the week... You can go back, maybe read it, uh, meditate on it. Just pray more about what the Lord might speak to you about what we're talking about here today. And this morning we want to talk about parenting. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here. The opportunity to engage your presence and to worship you. Father, I thank you for, for these great people. I thank you for what you're doing in this place. I thank you, God, that you are faithful to meet with us. And now, Father, for the next few moments, as we continue to look at you and look at your word, minister to our hearts, speak to moms and dads, speak to sons and daughters, speak to all of us, God, but how you would really want us to really lead our family lives. I pray for every family in need here right now, every relationship, Father, that may be strained. I pray right now that your spirit would truly speak to us. Open our hearts, God enable me to share what you want me to share right now God for your praise and glory in Jesus name amen and amen my wife Judella and I have 3 kids two by marriage i mean two by two by birth <laughs> let me let me let me let's pray again <laughs> we have 3 kids One's an in-law, that's what I'm trying to say to you, and the other two are by birth that we produced, if you will. All of them are legit, let me just put it that way. Now you know my son, he's the guy that stands up here and leads worship. If you attend this campus regularly, he's the guy that leads worship up here, Justin. You've probably met his wife, Amanda, our daughter-in-law, and they have produced the greatest granddaughter to ever walk the planet. Yeah, that's that's my family back there applauding, by the way. But one that you probably haven't met is our daughter Ashton. She's 22. She attends Lee University. She's a senior there. And she hasn't been here as much because she's away at school. And this is her there. There's my beautiful daughter. And I had to have my beautiful granddaughter in there. That's Kennedy. But that's Ashton there. And uh, this next picture you're going to see is Justin and Ashton. When they were little bitty guys... That's uh, in those pictures. They're sort of different ages. They're the oldest that they are. Is Justin's probably about five, and Ashton's probably about two. That's the oldest in those pictures. And here's the great mystery of parenting. The great mystery is that these beautiful, wonderful bundles of joy can become demon possessed in any moment. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That is the great mystery: how these just cute faces can become holy terrors. At the drop of a hat, this beautiful little girl that you see here, my daughter Ashton, when she was about four, I had spanked her. And uh, she was sitting on the bed and she was whimpering, crying a little bit after the spanking. And what my wife and I always tried to do with our kids when we disciplined them is to make sure they understand exactly what we were disciplining for, trying to connect the discipline with the behavior. But we'd always try to tell them, look, whenever daddy spanks you, he still loves you. I mean, we'd always try to communicate that. And I did that with Ashton. I'd spanked her and she's sitting there. I said, now remember Ashton, whenever daddy spanks you, he always loves you. Daddy will never stop loving you. No matter how much trouble you get in, daddy always loves you. Remember, whenever I spank you, daddy always loves you. Do you understand? Yes, I understand. I picked her up, kissed her, looked her right in the eyes. And I said, whenever daddy spanks you, I still love you. Put her down on the floor. And this beautiful little angel kicked me in the shin. Looked in my face and said, Daddy, when I kick you, I still love you. <laughs> Walked out the door. Demon possession right there in front of me. I didn't know what to say. I was totally shocked. I mean, a four-year-old had trumped me. Parenting is challenging no matter the culture. It's intimidating. It's overwhelming. It's frustrating. It is the most rewarding and fulfilling thing. Anybody could ever do. But it is hard work. I mean even for the ultimate parent. Who is God. God's the ultimate parent. Can you imagine parenting this world? He has to parent this whole world. And it's challenging for him. Think about it a moment. Now this ought to free every parent in the room. Every parent that's in this room. Ought to be freed by this statement. God made a perfect world. He made two perfect kids, put them in this perfect world, created a perfect environment for them, perfectly loved them, provided them everything they needed perfectly. Yet these two kids turned on him. That will make every parent feel good that even God's perfect kids turned on him. And they created a sin broken world that you and I have to try and parent in. And the beauty of it is, is that God, even in this sin-broken world, with sin-broken kids like you and me, still chooses to parent us. See, we're sin-broken parents trying to parent sin-broken kids. That's a tough challenge. But see, God makes it possible. God makes it possible for sin-broken parents to parent sin-broken kids. Because when you look in the Bible and you read the Bible, the Bible isn't just a book of do's and don'ts. It's not just a book of rules and regulations. It's not a book of just theology and doctrine, though obviously that's in there. It's a book about people. It's a book of stories. And when you read throughout that, you read about all these families and the dysfunction of sin within those families. You read about how parents aren't parenting their children right, and how children are rebelling against their parents. You read about kids that are spoiled, rotten by their parents. You read all these things, yet in the midst of all that, this beautiful, amazing God intervening with all of that, and and enabling these sin-broken kids and parents to actually produce something very, very special and real. You see, Jesus Christ levels the playing field. Jesus Christ makes it possible for terrible parents and children to actually be good parents and children. Jesus Christ makes it possible for parents to love rebellious kids. Christ makes it possible for kids to love neglecting parents. Jesus Christ levels the playing field. And when Paul writes about parenting, about children and parents. He writes it in the context of Christ. He writes in the context of a relationship with God. We've been looking at the book of Ephesians since the beginning of the year, all throughout the year, different times. We've been looking at the book of Ephesians. We're coming to the end of that book. And the whole book of Ephesians is really about who we are in Christ. And Paul, at the end of this letter, he's really getting down to how we live out who we are in Christ on a daily basis. How we live it out in everyday lives. You see, Jesus Christ isn't just for Sunday morning in church. Jesus Christ is daily life. He is our lives we sang about it this morning he's the cornerstone he's upon whom we build our lives including our parenting including what it means to be sons and daughters moms and dads so let's dive into this when paul's saying to us ephesians 6 verses 1 through 4 and let's take a look at what paul might be saying about parenting this is what he says he says children obey your parents in the lord for this is right honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And in those four statements, Paul really gives us the fundamental truths of the family life. That the bottom line is, children obey your parents. Parents, don't exasperate your children. Inspire them. And in both Context, it's in the Lord. I mean, right here, he cuts through all the ideologies of the culture. He cuts through all the ideas that, that the society has. He even cuts through all the generational dysfunction that we pass within our families from generation to generation. He says, here's the bottom line. Here's the guiding truths. Kids, obey your parents. Parents, don't exasperate your children. Inspire them. And both is in and unto The Lord, there's the guiding truths of parenting. Now, let's begin with children, because that's where Paul starts verses one through three. Look at it again. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, he's not saying kids obey your parents only if they walk with Christ. He's not saying just follow Christian parents. The idea here is obey your parents as obeying the Lord. It's as doing it as unto the Lord. That's where the obedience Comes from. It's in that context. Then verse 2. Honor your father and mother. Here he begins to quote. A commandment. A promise from the Old Testament. Which is the first commandment. With a promise. That it will go well with you. And that you may enjoy long life. On the earth. Now this is quoted. This Old Testament commandment. Is quoted five times in the New Testament. So in essence. The New Testament writer says. This is the basis. Of how children are to function in homes. They are to be obedient and honoring. And honoring. Of their parents. Now what they're quoting. Is one of the ten commandments. It's one of the biggies. Exodus 20 verse 12. This is what they're quoting. Honor your father and mother. So you may live long in the land. The Lord your God is giving to you. Now when God gave that to Moses. And Moses gave it to the children of Israel. As they're headed into the promised land. He's speaking to the Jews. About the land they're about to live in. So this is something specifically spoken to the Jews at that time so that they can live in the land. He says, look, I'm giving you this land. Here's the best way to live in this land. Kids, obey your parents. But it wasn't ever intended just to be something to the Jews for living in Israel. It was to be given to all of humanity. So when Paul quotes it in Ephesians 6, he doesn't just talk about living in the land. He talks about that so you can live long on the earth, the land he's talking about. Is the whole earth because this is for all people because mainly who he's writing to in the Ephesians are to Gentile believers. That's who he's mainly writing to, though. There are Jewish believers. So he's basically saying this is the fundamental truth for kids. Obey your parents. Now, when the promise says so that you may live long on the earth, it's not guaranteeing long life. What it's basically saying is however long your life is on the earth. If you want it to be a joyous, prosperous, stable, productive life, one of the best ways to do that is to be a kid that obeys his or her parents. That's what it's saying. However long you live, the most joyous, prosperous, productive, stable life is found in kids that obey their parents. Now, I want to talk to kids. How many, we got middle schoolers, teenagers, maybe even college students. you're a middle schooler, teenager, college student, raise your hand in the room. Put it up good and high. All right, we've got a good group here. Awesome. I'm talking to you. All right. Talk for you for a moment. Obeying and honoring your parents. Three quick things. What obeying and honoring parents does. Number one, obeying and honoring parents produces trust. Listen to me, kids. Take it from an old man. Who's raised two kids. Who has been a kid. You want More privileges? You want to hang out with your friends more? You want to be able to do more without parental supervision? Obey your parents. That produces trust. If they trust you, they will say yes more. If they don't, you will hear no more. Be smart! Fake it if you have to. (laughs) Obedience produces trust. I mean, if you're saying to their face, yeah, I'm going to do this and go behind their back. And you're not going to do that. And you're conniving and you're and you're and you're and you're sneaking around. They find that out. And and the Bible says, beware your sins. We'll find you out. You want to really be able to have more freedom and responsibility. Obey your parents and don't do it with an attitude. If they're constantly having to hound you and you're constantly giving it back to them, that's not it, man. But I promise you, if you obey them and you do it with a good attitude, they will say yes more. Secondly, honoring obeying parents not only producing trust, but it proves love. It proves love. Words don't mean anything unless the actions back them up. Words are important. Don't get me wrong. Words are very important. But if I'm saying one thing to to the face of my parents, if I say I love you, but then I'm going behind their back and I'm breaking the rules and I'm trying to find ways to sneak around and I'm trying to do what they say not to do, I don't love them. That's just cheap talk. I know there's several of you that have best friends. You've got BFFs in the room. You do. But I bet there's several of you kids you've experienced. Where you've had a best friend get all up in your face telling you how great you are and how much they love you and how much they enjoy being your best friend. And then they've turned around and been just the opposite behind your back. And you know how that felt and you didn't believe anything they said after that. It's the same with parents. We really love parents. We're going to do what they ask us to do. It proves love and it pleases God. Produces trust, proves love, and it pleases God. Paul said, we do this as unto the Lord. It pleases Him. It honors Him. It isn't just about that mom or that dad. It's about, I want my life to honor God. So I'm going to honor my parents. And kids, here's what you need to know. Especially especially kids moving into high school and into college. The college age kids in this room. You get into college and you're getting a little more on your own, and you're getting to sort of make some decisions more on your own and everything, and you think, you know what, mom and dad don't really know what they're talking about, and they're sort of squares. Let me just tell you something to every kid in the room your parents know more than you think, they know more than you think. I was 16 years old, junior in high school, playing varsity baseball. We just won the region championship. We were headed into the semifinals. I'll never forget it. It's a Monday. Had baseball practice, came home. And the reason why I know it was Monday is because I wanted to go play volleyball with our youth group. And we played it on Monday nights. My mom said, you can't go. What do you mean I can't go? No, listen, you just had baseball practice, you've got, you've got homework, you've got school in the morning, then you got the playoffs starting, you got to get your rest. Oh, I'm okay, what are you talking about? I'm not tired. Let me go play volleyball. No, no, you might get hurt as well. I'm not going to get hurt. Who gets hurt playing volleyball? What do you think I am? Some we? I mean, I just went, I mean, I went off. She was trying to, no, 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 finally, finally, because I just wore her out. Go, go, but be back at such and such a time. I went Played volleyball. Sure enough, go up to spike a ball, spike it, come down, land on the side of the foot of one of my teammates. Turn my ankle over, pulled every ling of it in my ankle. Swelled up like a big old volleyball. I couldn't even drive home. Somebody had to drive me home. Do you know what I dreaded the most? Oh i got to go in and face my mom on this deal. Do you know what my mother had the audacity to do? Do you know what this wonderful, beautiful, amazing, God-fearing woman did to me when I came in the door? She didn't say, I told you so. She didn't lecture me. She She loved me and how dare her love me and care for me and forgive me of that. I wanted her to tell me I told you. So. I wanted her to just jump all over. She didn't do it. I don't think it's because she really cared about me. I think it was a part of her master plan to torment my mind. <laughs> so listen to me, kids. Mom and dad aren't perfect. But they know more than you think. And every mom and dad said? Amen. All right. Okay. Now I'm going to on you guys next. Mom and dad are next. Obeying and honoring parents, it produces trust, it pleases God, it proves love. But what does God say about the parents? The parents side of this thing. Verse 4 of chapter 6. Look what it says. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training of the Lord. Now, although Paul is directly addressing fathers, this applies to to all parents of, of, of our time. Because in Paul's time. Now let's listen close. When Paul wrote this. Into the culture of the uh, the Ephesian church. The culture that they lived in. Dads pretty much ruled everything. In fact. There were very many laws. Against what dads did. The society pretty much let dads do whatever they wanted to do. Dads would determine whether or not their children would live or not. Dads would often put their kids in slave Labor. Society really didn't care what dads did. They just ruled. And they were ruthless dictators many times. Here, Paul is talking directly to dads. This was rather scandalous writing of the time because there were no laws or any kind of philosophy that really addressed dads. This is one of the first. The New Testament writings are some of the first things to address dads in the parenting. And what is he saying? Hey, don't exasperate your children. Raise them up in the way of the Lord. It's a whole new way of doing it. But it really is talking To parents. He says don't exasperate. The word exasperate. It means to uh, provoke to anger. It means to annoy and irritate. The opposite of exasperate. To me is inspire. Inspire means to. To uh, motivate and move one. To positive action. And truthfully that's what. That's what parents are about. Parents we got to ask ourselves. Is my. Am I constantly. In my interaction with my kids. is Is it. Is it. Taking them down a notch, is it, does it tend to irritate? Does it tend to, 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 to bring them down or does it really motivate them to, 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 to higher levels? Does it really move them to, to greater ambition? When I'm interacting with my kids, does what, where does it go? Does it take them back or does it move them forward? And that's what I think I've got to look at as a parent. When I think of inspiring children, I think of the idea of adding value to who they are. Adding to, to what they already are about helping them to move forward to really become all that they could become. And I want to use that that acronym, if you will, ADD, not Attention Deficit Disorder. I know we have to deal with a lot of that. But the idea of ADD, that we're adding value to our kids. First of all, the letter A, I would say to you, accept. Accept our kids for who they are, how they're wired, how God has wired them. I think one of the great challenges parents have to deal with is trying to live their lives through their children. Parents have to be very, very careful not to impose their dreams, their ambitions, their goals upon their children. It doesn't mean we can't talk to them about it. it, doesn't mean we can't help to shape that. Absolutely not, but that's one of the main things we do. But a lot oftentimes Parents will find themselves and they'll begin to try to live the life that they couldn't live or the, live they want, the life they wanted to live that maybe fell short or the dreams they had they never got to. Man, they really try to live that through their kids. But God's wired our kids. We've got to discover who they are, how God has wired them. How many of you have more than one child? Oh man, that's God's cruel joke, isn't it? Because just as soon as you figure out that one, oh, this is a piece of cake. That second one comes along and it's a totally different animal, man. The things you do with the one, you can't do with the other. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because God's wired them differently. We've got to understand that about them. You know, when, when my son Justin was born, and I hate to admit this, but I'm just going to openly confess it. When he was born in that delivery room, And I had the opportunity to hold that little newborn for the first time. And I'm looking at that little guy. I wish I was thinking, thank you, God, for this beautiful boy and how you've wired him. And I just can't wait to discover his person. I I wish that's what I was thinking, but it wasn't. The first thought was, oh, thank God, I've got a baseball player. That's the first, I'm a baseball fanatic, man. And I wanted my boy, I had these visions. I was trying to figure out, is there a glove that small that can go ahead and get on his hand? Can I, is there a, what size ball can I get into his hand? I mean, I just, I had visions of being at high school games and going into college and pros. And I just had all this vision, this baseball flair. And God, in his infinite wisdom and great sense of humor, Justin hated baseball. He hated baseball. He loves it now. We watch it, we watch it together all the time. But he hated to play it. And we were living in Orlando, Florida at the time. And, and he was about four years old. And it was coach pitch baseball. And the kids didn't have to know what they were doing out there. In fact, all the dads would stand out there behind their individual son to help them know what to do. It's one of those days, you know, the ball's hitting left field. Every, every kid ran out there. the right fielder run all the way, to you know, trying to figure out how to, where they're supposed to play. And he's standing out there. It's hot dusty it's coach pitch nobody's hitting the ball there's nothing happening and he's standing there like this and I'm standing behind him and he just turned around looked at me and said daddy I hate this and they look back and I'm thinking I've lost him he's gone and I asked him one time I said son what's your favorite part about playing baseball he said I love to sit in the dugout and play in the dirt at that moment okay done with this Oh, he's an amazing kid. I thank God. He he gave me some wisdom in the limited amount of time that I've used God's wisdom in my parenting. I didn't try to force this kid to be a baseball player. He's an amazing young man. Let me tell you, he's he's far more long than I was at the age of 25. When my daughter was born, I got a ballerina. That's all I could think of. Nutcracker Suite was just all I could see her in. She's a good little dancer, but hated ballet. She took ballet, she took taps, she took jazz, she took creative movement, whatever the heck creative movement is. That's just they just wanted more money and I shelled it out, man. You know? She took ice skating. She played the piano. She played the... I mean, the girl was like a little butterfly. She just would go one thing and the next. And she did well in most of them. And she thought she did great. On She even played t-ball one year. And there's not an athletic bone in this young lady's body. Four years old, played t-ball. Two reasons she wanted to play t-ball. Number one, to wear the costumes, she said. Number two... Because we dragged her to watch Justin play. We had to drag Justin to watch her play. It's the only reason she played. Four years old, sibling rivalry. Demon possession, I'm telling you. We asked her one time. What do you want to be when you grow up? She said, you know, I do so many things well, that's hard to decide. <laughs> Amazing young lady. All I'm saying, moms and dads, it's not our image we're trying to help them shape into. It's his image. We got to accept him for how he's wired him. Which leads to the first D of ad, which is demonstrate. How many of you know modeling is the strongest teaching? It's the strongest teaching method is modeling. What they see is what they're going to do. Words are important. But what we do is what they're going to ultimately follow. What do they see us doing? You know, kids pick up and say everything you say and and say them at the wrong times. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I heard the story of a little boy, four year old who. Who was still sucking his thumb. His mom did everything to try to keep him from sucking his thumb. He, he she soaked it in lemon juice. She 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 put him in time out. She tried to bribe him. She tried to reward him. Nothing she could do to get him from sucking his thumb. Finally, she said to him, you keep sucking your thumb. Your belly is going to blow up like a big balloon. Well, later that day, they're out walking in the park. And they sat down on a bench and there was a lady who was who was in the last stages of pregnancy sitting on the bench. And the little boy looked up and down at her and said, uh-huh. Know what you've been doing. (sighs) Listen. If they're going to say. What we say. They're going to do. What we do. We want them to be kind. We show kindness. We want them to be honest, we be honest. We want them to have a good work ethic, we demonstrate a good work ethic. It's not what we say. That's important. But it's what we do. I came across this. says this. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you hang my first painting on the refrigerator. And I immediately wanted to paint another one. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you make my favorite cake for me. And I learned that the little things can be the special things in life. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you make a meal and take it to a friend who was sick. And I learned that we all have to help take care of each other. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you give of your time and money to people who had nothing. And I learned that those who have something should give to those who don't. When you thought I wasn't looking, I felt you kiss me goodnight And I felt loved and safe when you thought I wasn't looking. I saw you take care of our house and everyone in it. And I learned we have to take care of what we are given when you thought I wasn't looking. I saw how you handle your responsibilities, even when you didn't feel good. And I learned that I would have to be responsible when I grow up. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw tears come from your eyes. And I learned that sometimes things hurt, but it's all right to cry. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you cared and I wanted to become everything that I could be. When you thought I wasn't looking, I learned most of life's lessons that I need to know to be a good and productive person when I grow up. When you thought I wasn't looking, I heard you say a prayer. And I know there is a God that could always talk to, that I could always talk to, and trust in him. When you thought I wasn't looking, I looked at you and wanted to say, Thanks for all the things I saw when you thought. I wasn't looking. The second greatest thing. Moms and dads demonstrate to their children. Is we show them. How a husband is to treat his wife. By how they see their dad treat their mother. And we show them how a wife is to treat her husband. By the way their mom treats their dad. It's the second greatest thing we can demonstrate. To our kids. The first greatest thing we can demonstrate to our kids is how to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that's the second D. Disciple. Because you see, Paul said, hey, raise your children up in the way of the Lord. Unless I'm walking with the Lord. How do I raise them up in the way of the Lord? How do I raise them up? And how do we have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Unless dad, mom, I have a growing, developing relationship with Jesus Christ. See, when they see us pray, and we encourage them to pray with us, they begin to learn about prayer. When they watch us read the word, or we read the word with them, they begin to see the significance of the scriptures. When we attend a community of faith church and we demonstrate the significance of that in life on a daily basis, then church is something significant to them. When we really recognize and thank God for the gifts and talents and abilities we have and we demonstrate and show them and using them for the glory of God, that that's what our lives about. They understand that they're made for a purpose, his purpose. And I just want to encourage parents here for a moment. We're running around so busy getting our kids to all the different things they need to get to. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with it. But my question to you and my challenge to you in the process of all that running around. Is the discipling process happening in the midst of all of it? Is all of that. In the context. of What it means to walk with Christ. Are we helping our kids when they get disappointed, when they don't make the team? When they don't make the audition, when they don't get the part. When somebody else, a good friend gets it or someone they don't even like gets it. Are we helping them learn how to handle disappointment in a way that's of Christ? When they do get the part, when they do make the team, when they do have the successes, are we helping them understand how we do that in the way that honors Christ? Jesus isn't just about Sunday. Jesus is about every day. I want to invite the band up, if they would. You know, we have an amazing resource that we send out. If, if you have a child that's in our, in our children's ministry right now, you either receive via email or some other form what we call the home front, and it's simply a devotional for families. It reinforces what's being taught in the classrooms right now. I think you can even go online and download them and get those. But it reinforces what's being taught. It shows some activities you can do, just some ways to talk about things in normal conversation, the things of the Lord and, and what's being taught. It's a great resource. The greatest thing, moms and dads, grandpas and grandmas in this room, that we leave to our kids how to walk with Jesus Christ. Oh, Amen. There's no greater reward than to teaching your kid how to throw and catch a ball, to ride a bike, to hit a ball, to make that dance step. Help them know what two plus two is. Even teach them how to use the remote. There's nothing greater than that. Our little Kennedy, 10 months old. She takes the remote and points at the TV. And But what will save and advance their lives? Do they know how to connect to God? A mom and dad had given their little girl a Bible for Christmas. It was her first real Bible. She'd always had the little children's ones that had all the pictures, but she could read now. And this was her first real Bible. Gave it to her for Christmas and she loved it. Her mother walked in the room later that day and saw her little girl with the Bible open and a pen in her hand as she was writing in it. And the mother thought, oh my goodness. Maybe she was too young. Maybe she was too young for this Bible. She's drawn in it. She's desecrating it. Oh, and the mother got real nervous and she didn't want to scold her child. So she just walked over to her and she said, sweetheart, what are you doing? And she stood over her daughter's shoulder and noticed that wherever there was the word God, her little girl was circling it. She said, what are you doing? She said, "I'm, I'm circling the word God. She said, well, Why are you doing that, baby? She said, because I want to be able to find him when I read the Bible. When our kids are reading our lives, moms and dads, are they finding God? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, I lift up every family in this room right now. If there be any single parents in this room, I lift them up to you, Father. Father, I lift up the blended families in this room. Father, I lift up those families that Struggling financially and trying to make ends meet. So much pressure, so much stress. Father, I pray that wherever we are as a family, that we would right now know you supply all we need to be the family that we can be. We're not in this alone. I pray for every child in this room whatever ways they might be struggling and just really trying to discover who they are and whatever kind of relationship issues they may have with mom and dad I pray for them right now, I pray I pray they're looking to you I pray they're looking at their own hearts how can they truly be the kids you want them to be I pray for their hurts for the disappointments where mom and dad let them down in a legitimate way, God that you would would bring healing to those kids Father, I pray and lift up to you the the moms and dads in this room right now who are struggling with rebellious children. They don't know what to do. They're pulling their hair out and they just don't know what to do with that kid. Father, I pray you would give them the very heart of your son, Jesus Christ. That they would be able to see that son or that daughter through your eyes, God. That they would continue to demonstrate you. They would continue to be your disciples, Father. That they would continue to do everything they can to accept that child for how you've wired them. And even though they may not be walking in the way that they need to be walking, God. That they would turn that child over to you for your care and keeping, God. Father, I pray for wisdom and discernment for every parent in this room. I pray for moms and dads who are struggling in their own relationship one with the other. I pray for families right now who may find themselves so pulled in every direction that they maybe have lost sight of you. Maybe they have sort of put you on the back burner and maybe there needs to be a regathering around you with some families. Father, whatever the situation, circumstance, whatever it may be, God, I ask now, I ask now that every family in this room every family in this room would move a big step forward today and becoming all you want them to become kids who are obeying their parents as unto you and parents who aren't exasperating, but inspiring their children as unto you. Thank you, God. You do not leave us alone. But sin-broken parents can truly parent sin-broken children because of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for it, and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you.